This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, the Friday night preview show with me, of course, Mr. Stamford Chidge, and uh, joined, as ever, by the uh, the wonderful Jonathan Kidd. Lovely. Oh, Chidge, thank you for the adjective. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. I, was, I, was, uh, I was stuck for one for a minute. I have, did you? Could you tell? No, not really. Oh, no, okay. no, I, should, no, I shouldn't no. have said anything then, should I? No, really? you shouldn't. I'd have just uh, gone with it. But no, I wouldn't. I'd have feigned um, um, embarrassment. Um but uh, thank you very much for that. Yeah, uh, um, lovely to be on the show in these, this these days of un. un oh, what's happening? Are we getting feedback there, Chief? I think it's you. It's you. Well, I don't know if it's you, but you're the only yellow ring that was up there. Jack has got a yellow ring. You know, on the, on the box around Zoom. No, I heard myself back, and, and I wasn't very impressed. That's um, gone. It was now. like an egg. It was like an echo of the past. It was, it was. <laughs> anyway, very it was probably from 10 years ago. Anyway, uh, Jonathan, anyway, Jonathan. When we had a, when we had a, a, a vaguely new uh, owner. Um, Who we got on the show? Uh, Who we got on the show tonight? Yeah, no, no, just, I was saying what, how intriguing it is to be on this show where there appears to be a, 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 an event, either sporting or otherwise, um, every day that just takes your breath away. And uh, mm. the... Um, the death of Rod- Rodney Marsh and then Shane Warne. Oh, just bloody hell, mate. Two of the most upsetting yeah. things as a cricket lover. Um, but amidst all the appalling, appalling uh, drama of um, of Ukraine and uh, and also of our club being involved in it, it's been... Uh, and the win at Luton, it's been, been such a Not much a win. to talk about tonight uh, at all, really, uh, is there? Nothing, no. nothing at all. We've got... Um, We've got the uh, the excellent Tony Glover, who's uh, 
whose chats with uh, with people on Twitter are becoming legendary. <laughs> and, Good evening, um, JK. And I lovely. prefer chats with you in person. Oh, my dear chap, thank you so much. I thought there was somebody at the Luton game on Tuesday. It was you. I almost went up and gave them a hug. And then I, he turned around and I realized, I realized it was nothing like you. Just something from the back. I just suddenly thought, okay, Tony's here, Tony's here. Um, that the unreserved seating was bizarre. It just meant that everybody, we kept thinking, how many more people, I was at the very end of a row, can actually trust past me to go, well, this row only ends up there. How many more can keep coming? I think they were using it as a kind of bridge, the sitting down the front. And, of course, we have the, uh, the terrific journalist, uh, um, uh, from the athletic uh, Liam Toomey, who's um, who has really come to the fore during these uh, these fascinating times. So, uh, congrats, Liam! Brilliant stuff. Evening, guys. Evening, Liam. I echo that. I think the athletic's been doing some fine fine work mm. actually this week and well, last couple yeah. of weeks really. And and I I, I read uh, Dom Fifield's piece today, which I thought was very very interesting. And uh, and actually, actually, it's a good point because we will we will be talking about. Well, I've actually, what you don't know who are listening is, but on my little running orders, I, I give little titles to the sections that we're talking about. And, and one of them is called Chelsea for Sale. Hurry up. It's only three billion pounds. <laughs> so we, we will be talking about what's going on. But we're also going to catch up, obviously, on the on the Luton game uh, on Wednesday night. And, of course, uh, talk about the presser uh, today, uh, which had, I think, maybe two questions about the game tomorrow. And the rest was all about roman and what's happening so we'll touch on that as well uh part two we've got the opposition view with a lovely lad called adam dennett from no name never podcast who we've heard from before of course and in part three we will be doing our own preview of the burnley versus chelsea game so there you go um jk you were uh, at luton on uh, wednesday i'd love to hear about your experience of going to that funny little ground there's not i don't think there's an awful lot really to talk about in terms of the game i mean i would summarize it I would summarise it like this. Uh, talk about a two-minute, 20 fan bite. This is like a 10-second fan bite. Uh, I thought it was shocking in the first half, particularly yeah. Saar and Kennedy. I thought yeah. we were better in the second half. And yeah. blow me, Lukaku and Werner scored without being offside. What's going on? Oh, well, and Werner was made man of the match by somebody who clearly hadn't been watching the rest of the game. Somebody where... who likes stats, I suppose. Who like, yeah, 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 who was, because Werner was absolutely atrocious up until his, um, even the, the assist for the Saul goal was just a ricochet off his knee, uh, the first one. But Saul, bloody hell, you just think if he could just get a little, not give the ball away as much, you're dealing with a very decent player, very good shots on goal, really gets in there. You think, well, actually, we're looking for a midfielder who scores. It's him. Took the goal wonderfully. Um, just to also add to that, Loftus-Cheek playing centre-half. What? From the beginning. Dreadful. Pushes him forward, second half. As, as the six, as he told us today in the presser. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, I think Fantastic. he's good there. I do think he's really good yeah. there because he's physical yeah. and he moves yeah. forward. Huge. Huge. And he can pass. But a huge performance from him as well, I thought, second half. You just thought, actually, the, it, we see now why he's choosing him, you know. Mm-hmm. But I know it was only Luton, but um, who were they? Got a bit knackered. But um, no, I was, uh, uh, it, was a, it was a great experience of kind of madness. You just expect, you know, some bloke once again decided, even though I was the end of the row, he would just stand next to me and then try and just get in you know and i wouldn't have it i'm despite him being about you know six foot two and as me diminutive next to him but i thought no mate i'm this is this is here i am it's my seat sorry mate sorry no you're not getting in but uh um it was a very good atmosphere everybody was singing very appreciatively of uh, roman and we didn't hear any of the embarrassment or other stuff that was coming from uh 
um, the other end from the Luton end. We didn't hear you're embarrassing or um, you're all bastards. We didn't hear any of that. We just heard because it's very localised, you know. What was, so, what was it like going back there? It's a funny ground, JK. Well, if you go down the alleyways yeah. at the side, well, I started off my f- fan bike with the Tony Christie reference in the avenues and alleyways yeah. <laughs> because, because you're... It, it's just like going back in time, you know. I actually took a, a video of just walking down by the side of the ground, and that's where all their boxes are. That used to be a little bit of the uh, the terraces, but yeah. that's where all their boxes are. You know? I assume you didn't need any um, protectors when you went down that avenue. Uh, well, no, funny enough, no, there were lots and lots of um, Chelsea fans with us. I, don't think I thought you'd have got other. that reference there. Oh, sorry, sorry. Sorry, that was rubbish of me. Absolutely, God, avenues and alleyways and protect us. I'm so sorry. That was really good. <laughs> that was really good. We'll just leave Liam really looking totally and utterly confused by that. What the hell are they two talking about? I've, I've got no Techni Christie references to offer. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thankfully, nor do I. I'm, I'm with you on this one, Liam, I have to say. Uh, Tony, you know, what was your... I mean, you know, cup, wow. cup matches are all really silly, aren't they? You know, even at this stage. He put a really weakened team out, let's face it. He had another crisis with injuries in defence. Ultimately, it's all about getting through, in yeah, my book. I, you know? I, I, don't, I don't share JK's um, uh, um, review of, of, of Timo at all. I thought he was busy. He worked really, really hard trying to get behind the lines. He, he tried to play people in. Um, I think he's only got a, a problem with a reluctance to shoot, which must be a confidence thing. I thought, I thought Sarr was dreadful. Um, for the first time of seeing him play this season, he looked way out of his depth or, or like a, a rabbit in the headlights. He, he's The mistakes he made were just... I think we uh, now some... know that when he does play, it, it's when Silver's playing and Silver yeah. tells him what to do. Yeah, and maybe that's part. Of, you know, that's not maybe that's part. Of, that is part of any young footballer's development. I think he was just uh, he, he looked he looked poor to me. But um, I, I I don't want to sort of single anybody out because I think the first twenty five minutes our performance was dismal, really um, across. And I, I know you've put shocking first half. We 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 started to really put some good stuff together, um, albeit. Um, we, you know, we, there, there was no end product to it. Uh, I was marked by even the commentator um, seemed to notice the fact that, that Lukaku wasn't getting much from people again. Um, and I still, I'm still not convinced there isn't something going on in the in the background there because it, I was watching. I, I specifically made a point of watching the, the amount of times he had a chance to have a ball played in, and it just wasn't. Um, and it may be the two contrasting styles of, of pushing to a, an out-and-out striker. Um, it's almost like a cognitive dissonance within the team, you know, because they've, they've, they've been coached into doing this extra pass, this extra taking this extra touch and playing people in. Um, so I, I was marked by that. But actually, I think even when Luton went 2-1 up, um, for number one, I was a bit surprised at the coolness of the finish from the Luton player. Um, because he was, it was a challenge, though, Tony. Yeah, Sarge it was. I mean, he, 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 he just well, he played, he tried to play up high, didn't he? And, and turn, and he, he just got caught. But the finish for uh, I mean, he's a professional footballer, I, I, I get that. But you know, when you're one on one with with any premiership keeper, it takes it takes some doing to the way he slotted that away was. Was was fantastic, but even then, I still sat there thinking, "We're not going to lose this. No. We're not going to lose this. We will come back. We'll." But the, the fitness levels will tell in the end. 
which they did. Um, and it was a valiant effort on Luton's part. But I think... Plucky. Yeah, and I, th- I think if you put the team out that played Liverpool on Sunday, we would have been three or four in oh, that yeah, one. Yeah, I think yeah, so. But, um, you know, where do these players get their time? Where does Sal get yeah. a, 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 a start? Where does Sal get a start without Silva? You look yeah. at all of those things and think, Tuchel, you know, I'm as critical of Tuchel as I am of any other coach that we've ever had. Um, but I, that was the perfect team for that game. It was yeah. the perfect team. You've got to give these players either enough rope to hang themselves or a chance to shine. And I thought second half, we looked we looked we looked tremendous, I thought, yeah. at, at times. I you think know. so. I think so. Uh, Liam, um do you think um I mean, you know, the news about Roman selling the club broke, didn't it, about an hour before kickoff. I mean, do you do you think the game A, the game was overshadowed by that? And B, do you think the players might have been affected by that? I mean, I know Tuchel swears that they're not, but, I, you know, they're human after all. Well, I think it was massively overshadowed for everyone watching it. Um, I mean, I, I didn't even really, I didn't register most of the game in my head. I remember the Chelsea goals, but I didn't watch it like I watch most, most Chelsea games. And I'm sure a lot of fans who were at Luton and what and watching it on TV would have felt similarly kind of disconnected to the events. Um, the closest I, I can kind of think of feeling that way about um, sort of going to watch a Chelsea game was traveling to, to the Brighton game when the whole Super League thing was going on. Uh, and obviously the protests then got the game delayed and ultimately the whole thing called off. But um, yeah, that, that felt like a similar sort of afterthought for the, as far as the players go, uh, I think it, it was probably a bit of a distraction. I think they could have done with it not being an hour before kickoff. Um, but I think what you often get with these cup games as well is that, uh, you know, as Tony said, it was a it was a very different Chelsea team um, with some very experimental choices, particularly with, you know, Loftus Cheek playing the libero role in the middle of the back three. Um, and I think when you get things like that, when you start sort of messing around with the with the sort of established connections in a system like Tuchel's, it can look a bit disjointed. And, I, I, you know, maybe, I, I agree, Saar was horrendous. Uh, it was what maybe his worst game for Chelsea. It, you know, it, when he first came, he, he could have like one or two lapses per game, concentration-wise. But last two, three months, he's been really good. Mm-hmm. I think maybe the reason why... Um, he played so badly in that game it was not even necessarily that Loftus-Cheek played badly next to him. It was just because they don't have that connection and you've messed around with the collective chemistry of that back three and that, and things like that can happen. Yeah, that's a good, um, that's a good I, point. I, I think you often see that in cup games generally. And it, when you add the whole Abramovich sort of background surface to it, I think it was just about winning. And they showed a bit of character to get it done against the team that's doing well in the championship and was bang up for it. Yeah, they certainly did. I mean, you know, anybody can go down 1-0 on a corner after a minute. but uh, to the, And then they equalise, obviously. But to go 2-1 down, I thought that did show some character. And as I said, it's all about winning. Uh, we've got Borough in the quarterfinal, which will evoke lots of memories. In fact, actually, funny thing, the, 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 it's kind of relevant in a weird sense about Chelsea being batshit insane because I remember the last time we played Borough was when uh, Benitez had that meltdown in the presser afterwards and, you know, everybody was being phoned up by journalists all over the place. I remember Tim, Tim, you know, was phoned up and on the way back and every, it was just mental. So 
brings back memories because we love playing Borough in cup competitions, as we all know. Now, let's go and have a look at the press conference today. Um, obviously, the, the, the most interesting news was the fact that Aspie's still not fit, so he won't play uh, on Saturday. Uh, it was interesting that there was no news about Christensen, so I'm therefore presuming he's fit, Liam? Yeah, not 100% sure, but apparently he trained today, um, which suggests that he would be available for that game and suggests that maybe the uh, that, that, that we're even less likely to see the, the Loftus-Cheek in the back three experiment uh, repeated at least any time soon because I think they've got enough bodies now, haven't they, with Thiago Silva giving time to recover and Christensen back in the, the rotation. Well, arguably you've got your best three central defenders available if Christensen is fit, which against Burnley I think is going to be much needed. Um, and that was really it on the match tomorrow from the presser. And, and I've listed down here, I've actually called it, uh, they, basically they're all asking questions of Tuchel that he couldn't answer, uh, really, uh, to, to wit... Uh, the impact of the news that Roman is selling. Marina, is she, is she staying or going? Is Tuchel staying or going? Will the transfer plans be scotched? Is it going to derail the season? And what happens to the out-of-contract players? Um, I mean, I have sympathy for both sides here, peculiarly, uh, Liam, because I'm normally fairly definitive as to which side I will go to. Everybody wants to know that. And I think this is the situation we all find we all find ourselves in. We're all asking the very same questions. And of course nobody has any answers. But I thought I thought Tuchel handled it all as he always does, Liam, brilliantly. Yeah, I mean they are the biggest questions. You know, they're the biggest they're the biggest questions that need answering. And um and even if the manager doesn't answer them, sometimes the way he doesn't answer them can be interesting. Uh, and that's why those those questions still still get asked um, often. So, yeah, I did think he handled it well. He hasn't really put a foot wrong throughout any of this too cool. Um, even when he lost his temper a little bit with the the repeated questions last week, I, I felt that you know that was kind of fair enough because he 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 kind of you know he'd gone with them as far as he could. Do you know Do you know who asked point. the question last week? I, I couldn't figure it out. I I do, but it was I mean it was a it was a sports news journalist. Um, but I don't know very well. I don't, I don't really want to. Well, I, don't, I didn't recognise the voice. That's why I was asking. Because I mean, yeah, a, lot, a, no, lot of, I mean a lot of people were accusing it of, of Matt Law. Of it wasn't Matt Law. No, no, no. Well, thing is, what you often get with you know at times like that when the, there is a story that goes beyond football, um, you will often get in football press conferences sports news journalists who aren't. They're they're not in. Um, you know, weekly press conferences every single week. They they'll have been sent there, and they're perfect. You know, they they're just as the, the press conferences are just as open to them as everyone else. It's just they're covering different types of stories. So they they you will get them at Chelsea. A higher proportion of them at Chelsea when something's happening like this, and they will be sent with a specific, you know, a specific line of questioning in mind. Um, and that's why it can end up the way it ended up in that press conference where, you know, four out of the first six questions are either about Abramovich's ownership or the situation in Ukraine. And I think it was just kind of a bit of a, a perfect storm for Tuchel because he felt like he it was the third press conference in a row at that stage that he talked about those topics. Yeah. And, and he felt, understandably so, he felt like he'd said all yeah. he could reasonably say about them. Yeah, quite. There so, seemed to be a bit of a narrative, though, in the, in the, the various headlines and, and you know Twitter um links etc went out afterwards about him you know losing his cool snapping 
uh, it, it, this sort of stuff. And it, honestly, um, you know, if I was stereotyping a German, I'd say I would have expected something far fiercer than that. Um, but he didn't. He just said, look, you've got to stop. It, it was no more than it was about as British a polite you know, tap at a table, no more questions as you could ever get. And then you get this kind of narrative that turns around and says, oh my God, it's really getting to him now, isn't it? Like, you know, um, and, and it just seems so, you know, I'm, I'm not one to defend people in well-paid jobs who, who are media trained or whatever, but I thought his reaction was absolutely spot on, perfect, polite, and yet off goes the narrative into the, into, into the, the, the Twitter sphere and the, the, the media mainstream sphere, for want of a better phrase, of, of Tuchel kind of losing his rag a bit. And I thought that was terribly unfair. Really did. Well, I, th- I think it's something that's very easy to clip up into a 15-second video mm. or something. And, you know, it, out of context, it maybe looks a little bit... Well, it, it just looks different out of context. Mm. If you're in the press conference and you know what's what's gone on up to that point um, or the questions that have preceded that, you know, I yeah. think you've got better under better understanding of, of why he reacted the way he did. Because in isolation, it looks like he's kind of, yeah. you know, get, getting riled by a question about Abramovich's ownership yeah. or his, or Abramovich's, I think the question was about Abramovich's attempts to broker peace. Yeah. Um, and so in isolation, I can understand why that wouldn't necessarily make sense to people. But that's why it's important to have the full context of what was happening. Mm. And I wrote a piece the next day, um, sort of making the broader point that it's, it's not something I blame the journalists for and it's not something I blame managers and head coaches for. It's a flaw in the system because these aren't questions that Tuchel should have to answer, but he's the most senior club employee made available to us. Yeah. And that's not just Chelsea. That's, yeah. There is an intentional lack of access when it comes to owners and, and executives well, we, we saw that is Premier League-wide. Yeah, yeah, we saw that with the Super League. It was and a we farce, saw it with Newcastle, you know. didn't we? With Steve Bruce being questioned week in, yeah. week out about... Yeah a takeover that in truth he probably didn't know very much about and it's there's do, an, do you remember go on sorry in. i was just no, gonna say on. do you, do you re, when the whole super league stuff was happening do you mm. remember who had to answer questions yeah. um at, to, at tottenham about the super league it's ryan mason that's yeah. right that's right yeah. yeah can you imagine and <laughs> you know an interim manager the most interim of interim coaches having to answer questions on a subject like that because yeah. uh, the the people at the top of the club just don't make themselves yeah. available it's kind yeah. of it's yeah, I I can I can understand it from all sides really. I mean, it, it is frustrating though, J.K., isn't it? Because as I said before, we talked to Liam about it. All those questions they asked to Tuchel today are things that we all desperately want answers to as well. And I think that kind of segues us nicely into Chelsea for sale. Ari up, it's only three billion pounds. Um, we we well, I mean, funnily I'm... enough, we 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 were asked, weren't we? Um, or we talked about it with uh, Aaron. It seems like a year ago now. It was only about a week ago. It was on and, Monday, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and we yeah. wondered if it'd have to sell. This was way before that had really come into the ferment. And blow me, Wednesday night, he puts it up for sale. Do you think he had to? He had no well, choice, Mr. really. I was going to say, Mr. Knowledge here said, no, I think that that, that statement <laughs> about the charity has meant that uh, there'll be no problem at all. He'll, he'll be able to defer that in some way. Well, and indeed. they'll possibly come back again and reclaim the club. Well, I did what I thought. Why have I said that? I don't well, know. Because what, that's uh, what you thought. That's what I'm you thought. About, man. Well, it was this this stewardship, wasn't it, line? Yeah. But um, but um, yeah. Since then, I, I've kept saying anything that because all the same figures reappeared, didn't they? The guy 
um, who owns Nice, what's his name? Sutcliffe. He reappeared as Ratcliffe. Big. He's, Jim Ratcliffe. Ratcliffe, yeah. So not Sutcliffe, that'd be worse, wouldn't it? Yeah. He's uh, he put a bid in and um and you thought, no, he hasn't. This is just an old story. This is just this is just lazy journalism. Well, I've met him. And um, if you met him twice, oh yeah. 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 And then uh, a the new guy the isn't it? That I used it? to work for, yeah. And I had to sit in a boardroom in front of him when he was not particularly happy with the service he was getting. That's as diplomatic as I could put it. But <laughs> what I would say is with Jim Ratcliffe is he knows what he's talking about to a degree. I had to put him right on a couple of things and the way the network runs and everything. Um, but if you if he says, I want A, B, C, D and E done, then if you can't do C, tell him, don't try a fucking bullshit way around it. <clears throat> well, I don't think he's in the picture. The thing to remember is... He's, not, is, he's not in the running this no, time. No, he's not. He's not. But the thing to remember is, I keep being amazed by it, is, is, is three billion or two billion, whatever the price is, or even whether it's going to be a quick sale and it's cut prices, we've been led to believe. No, he wants it by Friday. Do you think? And people are saying if it if it needs to be done by Friday, they're going to offer him ooh, one billion and he'll take that. And, you know, we don't no idea what's going on. No. But three billion quid, an unbelievable amount of money to to get for just to get anyway from a, for, for anything. I mean, it's. You analyse what it is. It's not just uh, every, all billionaires have that. People have been quoted as coming up and saying he's going to buy it, and their net worth is five billion. So I mean, what, even your gonna... Amex card isn't going to cover that. Oh either. bloody! Well, I was thinking we were talking about doing a crowdfunding, and I said, well, in the end, the amount of money I'd get together the crowdfunding, I could buy a corner flag at the bridge, and that would be. <laughs> yeah. well, if you think about it, the, if you think about it, three billion fees. quid is probably three new Stamford bridges at today's uh, kind of yeah. prices. So. Yeah. It is a lot of money. I mean, Liam, you, you're no doubt far more in the know than us. I think, I think the, I think it was in Dom's article today that I got a sense that um, we won't. I mean, any anybody anybody who's put their head above the parapet saying, "Oh yeah, well we're we're thinking about buying it," you can almost guarantee that they're not in the frame. It's more likely to be somebody that we just don't know about, and it'll just be announced because that's normally how it happens, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's the, there's the caveat that this is a very unusual situation. Not many clubs are sold in these precise circumstances. So there, I would leave open the possibility that, you know, the eventual owner or owners could be people that we've already heard of. But as a general rule, um, you know, the more public a takeover offer is, um, the less likely it is to to happen. I mean, the the... The big exception to that was kind of Amanda Staveley and PIF at Newcastle because that that came and went, came and went, yeah. came and went, and then finally happened. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, what is certain is that we don't know everyone who is in the frame for this because there will be people who are a bit like Abramovich first time yeah. round um, who will will operate, you know, in a very low key way, and um, and will be having quite low key discussions. Mm-hmm. And you know, even doing their due diligence with a, a minimal amount of noise. Um, so, it, yeah, it's too early to say who who might buy it. I know we've had a Turkish businessman come out today um, mm-hmm. with with some quotes. You know, apparently very confident that he's going to be the guy. I think you always have to take the the quotes of billionaires uh, with a pinch of salt as well, because they tend to be very self confident to a fault. Um, it's part of what got them to where they are but it doesn't necessarily always tally with reality. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. And uh, I mean, the external circumstances would suggest that it, it might not be, you know, like 
a matter of days, but I think this will be a relatively fast process uh, just because the pressure on Abramovich has been growing for a, a week or a week or two, you know, with the, 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 the political winds in, in Britain um, are changing and across Europe towards, towards Russian oligarchs. Um, as of now, he's not been sanctioned by anyone, but he, I think the way he's acting clearly suggests that he thinks it's a distinct possibility in the near future. Well, yeah, that's a good that's a good point. But I, I, this is one of the things that Dom covered so well, I thought. And I actually, I also read the Times article where a lot of people have been getting their knowledge about why why um, not just Roman, but a lot of oligarchs haven't been sanctioned. And it's all to do with the, the I mean, without getting really detailed about it, it's basically about the legal issues and the government haven't got their ducks in a row and they'd leave themselves very open to being sued if they did it. And it's also hard to track the money where it actually came from. They can't join the dots, basically, can they? It's very difficult. And we've already seen with Abramovich and people that he has deemed to have slandered him before, um, you know, in, in conjunction with other wealthy Russian individuals, these people are prepared to sue you and they can afford the best <laughs> lawyers um, and the, the best consultants and, even a government would be wary of that uh, because you're not, you're not just, you're not necessarily punching down by sanctioning someone. You're, you're sanctioning someone that has the, has the net worth of like a small country. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, it's, it, it's the part of the reason why, you know, UEFA were very, very wary in their dealings with Manchester city because they knew that the, the legal action um, could be absolutely immense. So we'll, We'll, we'll see how this plays out. But all I'm saying about Abramovich is I think the, his actions suggest to me yeah. that he doesn't, he doesn't want to take the chance of um, anything happening that could compromise Chelsea yeah. or, or, you know, his, 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 stake, his stake in Chelsea, you know, the money that he has in Chelsea. I think um, the major thing those two linked. things are linked. Liam, it's, it's, it, because it's a, a visible UK-based asset, that is the <coughs> problem, isn't it? And if they try to sequester, they can, people will say, but he owns that club, therefore take that club away because that's his money. It's actually visibly there in the country as opposed to other people's yachts. So this is a visible thing. People are thinking, we can have that then, we'll have that, mm. and we will then well, inflict, inflict damage upon him because it's, 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 it's an easy thing to... To say we will, we want that. It's it's visible and part of part of his life. You are there inflicting damage on him, whereas there's nobody else. Can, it's all secret. It's all hidden away. It's all it's 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 other people have paid for it. It's 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 dirty money to an extent. It's laundered. It's somebody else has come in. A, a middleman has bought a property or whatever. Whereas this is in his <coughs> name. So, you know, I was uh, but I, read the, but... I read the article in the Athletic today about what would happen if if uh, if Chelsea was seized, you know, by the government. Uh, it was a very, quite a long, quite complicated article. And I've got to say, at the end of it, I was no clearer, really. Um, I did yeah. a, a thread the other day on Twitter, which was, went down quite warmly, which was, you know, what, what do you do if you seize a football club? Do you, do you liquidate it? Do you nationalise it? Well, what do you do? How does the club continue to operate? And, and the, 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 the honest truth is, even reading the article in the Athletic today, is no one knows. It's never been done before. Well, Michael, Michael getting... Gove will be the new chairman by that logic. <laughs> well, what, what, what you're getting is basically, you know, the, 
the best guesses of the most informed people, but they're still guesses because this is a, an unprecedented, it would be an unprecedented situation. It's never happened before for a, for a, a, you know, a club as big as Chelsea to be frozen essentially. And I, you know, I think from the, from the point of view of the UK government, I think that's probably a source of wariness on their side as well, because they don't want to be seen to be hobbling, um, such a big UK asset and, and, you know, and a, and an asset that I think, you know, Chelsea have been very, very active in the community under, under Abramovich's ownership. I don't think the, the British government necessarily want to be seen to be killing that or, or even crippling it. Yeah, but also Liam, isn't that going to be, if they did that, would that not, or if they did anything that jeopardized the future of Chelsea, is that not going to be deemed by FIFA as political interference, which is against their law? I'm not sure, because I, I, I have thought about this, I'm, I'm not sure whether the FIFA uh, rule is interference in domestic football or in the domestic FA. Um, I'm, I'm not quite sure what would get you sanctioned by FIFA, because uh, I, I know they've, I know they've um, kind of suspended countries where there's been political in, interference in the FA. Mm. But again, this is a situation that they might not have really dealt with, at least not on this scale before. Mm. uncharted territory isn't it um i mean whether we like it or not sometime in the foreseeable future chelsea are going to have new owners and it won't be roman abramovich and you know we'll we'll talk a little a little bit later about you know what we think of his legacy which i think is huge obviously um things are going to change there's a chance that things might not be the same again and i mean the supporters trust as, as you would probably expect me to say have put out a a pretty you know strong statement today saying what 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 we want you know what we want from new owners and it's going to be really important jk isn't it because there is a worry as we were saying a minute ago that you get the wrong kind of owner in somebody who eyes it as a franchise club tries to asset strip it if you like or cross subsidize with their american football team or whatever uh you don't want clearly an a, a, an owner who's got you know a, a bad human rights track record for example there are, there are lots of things... Does that matter more Chidge? Well, quite. I mean, I, I've written a piece today for Football London and I actually said that it's about time, or this is the perfect time for the Premier League to be updating and reviewing their uh, fit and proper uh, directors and owners test, you know, because we cannot allow this to happen again, you know. I mean, from, from so many different sides, I won't bore everybody with the details, but that needs to be done because it's just stupid at the moment. Um, but there are lots of issues. We, we, you know, maybe somebody who comes into the club and doesn't invest as we need. I mean, there are lots of issues here that need to be figured it depends out. Depends how overstretched they are. It depends, as you say, they may have they may have borrowed all the money. But yeah. isn't the idea that that Roman is supposed to be doing his own yes. due diligence on the on the, uh, yeah. the the person who buys the club so this doesn't happen? Because it would be very easy to they need to be told these people that the only way this club works is not by making a profit. Well, they're not true. coming in. To, they're not coming in to make a profit. They're coming in to, they well, they can try and do that, but the chances of them having as much success on the field, unless they, they, uh, uh, I mean, having said that, you don't know what degree Tuchel can then make things work from, um, yeah. um, from, from, from the, uh, from the academy or from his own team. We've yet to see Tuchel with his own team. We have to, yeah. you mustn't forget, he is a completely brilliant manager. Well, we got manager. to, we got to keep hold of oh. him. Oh, completely. And he's going to, he's going to lose Marina very likely. Check, possibly he's going to lose the people that that he's already struck up a brilliant working yeah. relationship with yeah and i mean I, I would go further you know much as we i've had my battles with the board um 
they do a pretty good job. Let's be very honest here. What they've set up at that club is fantastic. It's world, it's world class. And you're going to rip all, out all of that and replace it with a new lot who ha- won't know Chelsea or anything to do with it. it the, the, the potential for this to go catastrophically wrong is huge. Unless oh. it's a hybrid, unless you never know the owner's coming and he insists you have to try and keep these people. He won't be able to do but, that with that amount of money, will he? So that won't happen. Yeah, the, the interesting thing is, is all of those things you just raised, the pair of you, were exactly the same when Roman Abramovich took over from Ken Bates. No one knew who Roman Abramovich was, right? He, he's past alleged shadiness or whatever you want to call it was the same then as it is pretty much now. We still don't know much about the man. We still, he's, he's incredibly private, incredibly well guarded. Um, in 20 years, the Sun, the Mail, the Express and all the other Tory little pieces of shit out there have never, never been able to turn anything, pin, de- pin him down on anything. Now, that could be because, as Liam said, he's got the greatest lawyers in the world or whatever. But it could also be that there isn't anything to find. And I think all of those points just made my, my, my own view is quite, I'm unusually, I've got to say for me, I'm unusually optimistic about this. Okay. You're buying potentially, certainly the most successful club in English football in the last 20 years. You're buying one of the most successful clubs in Europe because only one team has won the Champions League in the last God knows how many years more than us. And that's Real Madrid. Okay. You, you, we're the current world champions. Whatever anybody thinks about that, you've still got to win the Champions League to get to that European Super Cup. The, the list is endless, right? Billionaires care about their brand, okay? Whatever they're doing. They don't want to buy into failure, ever. And they don't want to be associated with failure. So if they're buying into a club that's already successful, it's not in their interests to asset strip it, turn it down or whatever. It's in their interests to be associated to that successful brand, that, that the whole They're success thing we've always said before. So I, I'm, I, I am confident about it. I've read uh, uh, this Musim Barak, I think his name is. There's, there's, there's one thread today by Matt DeBono. I've never heard of, of Matt or whatever. But, yeah, Matt's, Matt's uh, all right. Yeah, so he's written a good thread today. That you would learn more information about Musim Barak from that than you would have ever known about Roman Abramovich mm. when you took the club over. The other two, uh, Weiss, Wies, I don't know how you pronounce that, if he's Swiss German, it's Wies, if he's Swiss French, it's Wies. Um, but, uh, if it's English, and, it's Waz. And, 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 and Ted Bowley, I think his name is. Um, Ted Lasso. Yeah, Ted Lasso, yeah. If, and if they come in and take the club over, these are also incredibly successful people. Um, I read some ridiculous things on that. The next person's got to be a football person. Well, Roman Abramovich was not a football person. Okay. He may well have become one, but he certainly wasn't at the time. What he did was he hired the best chief exec in the business, Peter Kenyon. Yeah. Okay. He... And, and I, I oh, yeah, so sorry, so all I'm saying is, is I think there's, and that's probably why I went at Sam Morris a bit last night. I think there's some overly negative, overly scaremongering going on with one of the most successful brands. Yeah. And I hate to use that you know, in association as a fan, but it is brand Chelsea, whatever we want to think about it, one of the most successful businesses, one of the most successful teams. And I think anybody who's taking that on will absolutely be adamant they want to keep that going yeah. and improve on it. It's and, a and, and maybe, 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 you know, that ultimately is the real legacy of Roman's 19 years. But I'm going to, we're going to revisit what, his leg- what we think his legacy is at the end of the programme. Liam, unless you've got, uh, you've got a comment you'd like to make on any of that, 
No, no, no. It's fine. I think no. I think you guys said okay. It well. well, look, keep 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 on doing the great work that you and the boys at the Athletic are doing because it, it's such a difficult situation for all of us supporters who mm. are desperate to know what's going on and a bit uncertain and a bit worried. And I think you boys are doing brilliant, brilliant work in in, in informing us of that. So I thank you for it, but keep it up too, mate, because it's very needed. Thanks, guys. I hope this story stops my head spinning at some point. <laughs> well, don't we all? <laughs> yeah, and we'll we'll be we'll be we'll talk to you next week about the re- rebuying of Stamford Bridge and Chelsea by Roman Abramovich or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, as, as ever, Liam, it's an absolute delight to see you, and thank you for sharing your knowledge and insight with us. We really appreciate it, and we will see you soon. I hope that's for sure. Always a pleasure, gents. Have a good evening. And you, Liam. We will. Cheers, Liam. Thanks a lot. There you you. go. The lovely Liam Toomey from The Athletic there. uh, I always love seeing Liam. He he knows his onions. Now, um, I suppose that this is a very, very pertinent time to give a plug to the Chelsea pitch owners. uh, Because, of course, as you well know, they own the freehold of Stamford Bridge and they own the name Chelsea. So they will be instrumental in uh, in whatever situation arises from new owners. And it effectively means that you as a supporter and a shareholder uh, have some sort of leverage. And it's very, very important. And if you remember, one of the only bad things that Raymond did in his 19 years was try to land grab Stamford Bridge and buy up all the shares of CPO. And he failed and got a kicking for it. So we can't let that situation happen again. And what the best way to do that is if people go and buy shares. I bought one uh, on Wednesday night. So when I heard the news that, that Roman was selling, the first thing I did was go and buy another share. So if you want to have a share, uh, then all you have to do, I mean, basically just go to the Chelsea website, the main Chelsea website, and search for Chelsea Pitch Owners, and you will find uh, all the links that you need there to buy a share. You can buy just an electronic share for 110 quid, and that, that'll get you a share and a vote in what happens. Um but they go up to the price of about 200 I think, depending on what, what kind of, you know, whether you want it signed, whether you want it framed, whether you want it given to you on the pitch, all that kind of thing. But entry level is 110 quid. It's massively important to go and buy a share because it will give you some sort of power and leverage and say. And it, hopefully it will mean that we will be playing Stanford Bridge forever and ever and ever. Amen. Right, we will be going for a quick break. And when we come back, uh, we are going to be talking to the lovely Adam Dennett from No Nay Never podcast about his view of Burnley. Chidge. JK, in all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. (laughs) It's all too much. (laughs) I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> but where do I sign up, Jidge? 
Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Welcome back to the Chelsea Fancast. I'm, of course, Stamford Chidge, and it's now time for this. The Opposition View. That's right, we've got another Opposition View, and, of course, we're playing Burnley uh, on Saturday, and I'm delighted to say that we've got Adam Dennett from No Name Never Podcast with us. Hello, Adam, how are you? Uh, cheers, yeah. Great to uh, great to be on. Quite a pivotal time for both clubs, so looking forward to review, uh, previewing this game. Yeah, you picked a good week to come on, I think, didn't you? I, I, actually, it's probably worth, you know, rather than burying my head in the sand like I would like to, I, I really feel duty-bound to kind of kick off with that, really, because, you know, I, I know how all the Chelsea supporters are feeling this week, what with uh, the news that Roman Abramovich is, is having to sell the club. Um, but what, what's what's the view from outside of the bubble of uh, Stamford Bridge and Chelsea supporters? What do normal, uh, you know, non-Chelsea supporters think of it all? Uh, I think the first thing to say is um, what's going on is um, obviously way beyond um, the importance of football. Um, but I think from from an opposition view, um, you can't help but feel slightly sorry for what's going on what's going to happen at Chelsea because they're going to be majorly affected by um by this and it, it could have a big impact um on um on them going forward which obviously I don't think anyone were expecting um worrying times obviously I think it's all up in the air of what impact it actually will have um but oh, you'd think short term it'd be minimal um I saw Daesh being asked in his press conference today about what impact it thought it'd have on the players and no one really knows um but they're still world-class players at the end of the day. Uh, they're still being paid to do a job and you'd think they'd be professional professional about it and go about it the right way this weekend. Uh, but yeah, really, uh, I think you, if you want to say that quote that you said before yeah. we came on air, I think that sums it up pretty, uh, pretty well, to be honest. Yes, football is the most important of the least important things. I mean, from Carlo Ancelotti, of course, a former Chelsea manager. I mean, what, what I would say, Adam, is that I think you're right to a degree. I mean, nobody knows what the real impact will be. Um, I mean, the logic tells you that the scale of the club now, the quality of the players and all the, everything else that Roman's built up, you know, we sh- if we get somebody to buy it for the, the three-odd billion that they're talking about, it, it, there's no reason why we shouldn't com- compete in the same way that we have before. But what I would say that you know, will never be the same again. And this is this is why so many Chelsea supporters absolutely loved Roman Abramovich, was because unlike most owners, he didn't run it as a business. It was like his personal train set. 
and he didn't care how much money he spent on it. So we need a new striker. Yeah, let's go and spend 100 million on Romelu Lukaku. And if he's rubbish, well, whatever, we'll just buy another one next year. You know, you just don't get that in football. And we are so, so conscious of how lucky we've been because of that. He just wants to win trophies and he doesn't care how much money he spends. So, you know, we've never been under the normal kind of constraints that other football owners tend to impose on their clubs, apart from FFP, of course, that had to be run within that. But that's that's what will never be the same again, I think. But anyway, that's my problem, really, not yours. Um, You've got you've got bigger problems, haven't you, down at Burnley? I mean, when I speak to you guys normally and I always kind of declare that I, I actually quite quite I've got quite a fond uh, kind of fond uh, spot for uh, for Burnley, and they were they were struggling at the beginning of the season, and I was rem- I remember saying I can't remember who, was, who I spoke to now, but I was saying oh well you know I wouldn't worry because that's classically Burnley, and then Dyche will sort it out by the second half of the season, and they'll probably end up you know maybe mid table, but you know they won't get relegated, and and here I am talking to you in uh, March, and you're in the relegation zone. I mean it's not. I mean, I wouldn't say it's, it, it, it's dire straits yet. I mean, I know you're in 18th, but you've got, I mean, you've got a game in hand on Watford and Norwich who are below you and uh, Everton have got a game on you, but you've got a game in hand on Leeds and two games in hand on Brentford who, and Brentford are three points uh, above you, aren't they? And they're in 20, in, they've got 24 points in 15th, you're, you're 18th and 21st. So, I mean, how are you feeling? Is, is Sean Dyche going to get you out of the mire again? I think it's pretty 50-50 at the minute, I think most Burnley fans would say. Um, and I think the the reason we've struggled is probably long-term underinvestment rather than anything that's um, that's changed this season. Um, we've, we've just got an ageing squad. We've not the summer just gone, but the summer before, uh, we spent £1 million on Dale Stevens um, and then went from finishing 10th uh, in 1920 to then 17th last season. Um, and a lot of the players in like have gone from in the prime late 20s to now early 30s. We've stuck with them. Um, but there's just been a... It were the old owners that um, clearly didn't have the funds to be able to sustain what wouldn't what the investment needed in the Premier League that um, that's probably coming back to haunt us slightly now. Since the new owners have come in, it's brought debting um but i think it's what we needed to have to be able we needed to stretch the purse string slightly to uh to start addressing the problems that that we were going to have anyway and since they've come in they have invested with the signings since um since last year have actually been really good so we brought in corner who had a great impact the first half of the season i don't know where we'd be without him he scored, scored a few wonder goals um, and then Connor Roberts, who's just come into the side now, um, Welsh international, um, should improve our first 11. Nathan Collins, young Irish lad from Stoke, £12 million. Pounds, uh, looks a real um, real good buy. Obviously, Ben Me and Tarkovsky are our first choice centre-halves, but any time he's had to come in and deputise, he's done a great job. Looks a real good, uh, good prospect for the summer. And then again in January... I think we were hoping for maybe a, a central midfielder and a winger um, and maybe another striker. Obviously, Newcastle coming in and um, stealing Chris Wood from under our noses because of a release clause that none of us were really aware of. So um, sorry to butt in, Adam, but that's a really... Okay? That, no, that's, Go a good, that's a good point about Chris Wood because I think a lot of us on the outside looking in thought, why in God's name have Burnley sold Chris Wood? 
not not just selling him at a crucial part of the season, but selling him to a relegation rival. It sounded like madness, but there was sounds like there wasn't much you could do. And, well, not at that moment in time, no. Um, you say, why is your striker who scored 10-plus goals a season for the last four seasons, which is invaluable for a club like Burnley, got a release clause like that in his contract where anyone can come in and get him at any time? Yeah. Um, obviously, £25 million to a lot of people will be a lot of money for Chris Wood, but relative to what he was worth to us, it were invaluable. Um, now, luckily, we we look like we've got a gem in Val Veghorst since he's come in. He, he's he looked really, really good footballer. We're playing a different way with him up top. He's much better with a link-up play. Um, and uh, surprisingly, for a six-foot-seven battering ramp with his back to goal, uh, with his feet, looks looks really good. Um, the only issue being he's only got the one goal in, I think, six games. Um, and we need someone to put the ball in the net. It's hard to criticise him so early. He looks brilliant. He's really fit into uh, to what we want to do. But we really need to see them goals coming from him now because that's what Wood always provided for us, even if he didn't have the all-round game that, that Vegas did. Yeah. Um, I mean, speaking as a Chelsea fan, Adam, I mean, I'd cut my arm off for a striker who could score 10 goals in a season, but there <laughs> you go. Um I mean, you're, you know, Bernie's recent form, you know, we're, we're talking about relegation and stuff, but I mean, there has been an upturn in form recently. I mean, you know, within the last month, I mean, I know I know you lost to Liverpool 1-0, I'll talk to you about that in a minute, but you've won two of your last five, drawn one. Um, you slipped up against Leicester on uh, on uh, Tuesday night. What, what happened there? I, I, I kind of had you down to get a result there, I've got to be honest. Yeah, I think it, a lot of the Burnley fans were finally feeling confident, and we'd obviously we got two wins in a week when we'd always only had one win all season. So um, I think a lot of us did get a bit carried away, thinking this we're on our march up the table now. We've we've found our feet. We've we've got our Burnley back. We're we're back playing the way that we've been playing the last few years, and I think it can happen in the Premier League. Leicester, yeah, they're having a poor season, but. Um, they're still a good side, um, like comparable to where where we are. Um, and I think there wasn't much in the game. Pope probably kept us in it in the first half. Um, we had a goal disallowed for a very, very marginal offside, which is the way of the world these days. It's fair enough. It's kind of accepted. Uh, but they they bring on Madison and Vardy for the last 15 minutes. Um, and both of them ended up on the score sheet. But there were no arguments for me and quite a lot of Burnley fans. Leicester deserved the win on the night. Um, overall, our form's good. If you'd have offered us, uh, I think we've got nine points from the last seven games. If you'd have offered us that, us that seven games ago, then I think we'd have taken that uh, since we've played Liverpool, Man United, Tottenham, uh, Leicester uh, in that time, and then Brighton and Palace away. Um, it's not a bad return, and we are back in the hunt, we're fighting um, and we've given ourselves a chance whereas a month ago it really was looking um, dire when we were sat 20th and seven points adrift of 17th. Yeah, I mean it's definitely been an upturn. I mean, I'm intrigued particularly, Adam, by the I mean, I know you lost uh, to, to Liverpool at home, but it was only 1-0 and it was to a, I'd say a pretty full strength Liverpool side I mean, I, I can't remember, I mean, you know there's been so many bloody Chelsea matches in the last kind of two months, I, it's been hard to to take anything else in. So I, I don't really remember what happened. But you know, were you were you you know were you good value for a draw there? Do you think? Yeah, um, at least a draw. We first staff we played as well as I remember us playing against a, a top top four side at home. 
uh, Alisson had to make a couple of good saves. We had three really good chances, um, and we don't normally create that much against against the big teams. So it were um, really nice to see that. But again, we need to we need to punish teams when Liverpool were in second gear all game. Um, like you said, they had a very strong side out. Um, Salomane, Firmino up front, um, and they got a goal from a corner. It was a really windy afternoon. Um, first half you'd have been watching and um, and we played all the football and this nicked a goal from a corner before half time second half wasn't the same they were still cruising a bit but uh, we didn't create half as much and it were they controlled the rest of the game really and just held us off um, but it's encouraging that we've we put in that performance against Liverpool we've drawn at home against Manchester United we've beaten Spurs at home um, deservedly so to have Chelsea coming this weekend. Hopefully, we can put in a similar performance and, um, and make it a tough game. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's it's kind of interesting, isn't it? I mean, you know, I think a, a lot of us uh, down this neck of the woods always kind of think Burnley. Oh God, we've got to go to Turf Moor. It's bloody freezing, even if it's the middle of summer. I hasten to add, and uh, and you know, Burnley are a tough nut to crack. They're always well organised. They're really physical. It's going to be a tough, tight match. I mean. You know, bizarrely, the the actual the reality of that, and I'm always really quite surprised yeah. to see this, is that actually that that's not actually you know usually uh, you know the, the 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 gig is it? I mean, we beat you three 0 I think the other season we've uh, we beat you four two. I remember that uh, Pulisic hat trick. So there's actually usually quite a lot of goals when we go to Turf Moor, and yet Adam, I'm still expecting this to be a tough bloody match, exactly as I always do. I mean. <laughs> Depending, I presume, on how you set up and, and if you can kind of replicate what you did against Liverpool. But, I mean, h- how do you see it going? How's, how's Dyche going to set it up? Uh, I think it'll be quite similar to, um, to how we've gone about um, the last few games against against the big side. So, we've, we have been compact. Um, we've tried to play a bit more football when we've got up the pitch. Um, not quite as route one as when Wood is in the side. We used to play the ball a lot into the channels. We're actually trying to play the ball, move the ball at the pitch now into Wegor's feet and then play off him. Um, it's going to be a really tough game for us. But and like you've said, the previous seasons, you've you've not really we've not laid a glove on you. Um, there were a couple of years where I think we we drew one all. Brady scored a free kick. Um, and we lost two one. Um, can't remember if it was Victor Moses might have got got the winner, but uh, when Conte were in charge, when they won, you won the league that year. Uh, but other than that, it's been pretty straightforward. When you've when you've come to Turf Moor last year, were well both games against you last year. I don't think we we barely had a shot and probably had twenty to thirty percent possession in both games. Um, and that was Lampard in charge when you were at Turf Moor and. Um, we were struggling at that point anyway, but and then in January when at Stamford Bridge, uh, I'm just hoping we can put up a similar performance as we have against the big sides, make it difficult, hopefully um, nick a goal and and somehow manage to cling on to something out of the game. But it's good. It's not if Chelsea turn up, we're gonna it's gonna be a difficult afternoon for us. We've got to accept that to be honest. Yeah, and I mean that's that's you know quite often the case, Adam. If if Chelsea turn up, they're gonna you know they're going to beat most teams that they play, but that that's always the big question if they turn up. I mean, I'm I'm thinking back to to uh, I think it was November, wasn't it, when you came down to Stamford Bridge and you drew one all, and we were cruising in that first half, and as always, we failed to put the huge amount of chances we make uh, away, and then the second half, I think uh, 
you know, Dyche made a change, didn't he? And uh, suddenly you took control of the midfield. I think you put in it, you know, I think basically we we had a problem. We only had two in the midfield and he basically monstered us in the second half and you took your chance. Brilliant goal, as I remember, from Vidra. So, you yeah. know, it, we do need to be very, very careful. And I, I always think with Burnley that Chelsea have got to be right at it from the word go and hopefully get a, an early goal or two. Otherwise, it, you're in for a very tough afternoon. Um, but anyway, enough of what I think. How, how do you, what, what, give us a prediction. How do you think it's going to go? Uh, well, head or heart, I think. <laughs> you can go uh, with whatever you want. Adam. Yeah, yeah. Um, my uh, my head said probably a narrow narrow defeat. Um, but if if we can get get a one all draw out of it, um, I'll go for a one all draw. Yeah, that'd be that'd be excellent. Just keep a keep a bit of momentum going. Anything against um, probably the top three, Liverpool, um, City, or Chelsea is a a real bonus for for a team like us. Um, but yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna be tough. It's, you mentioned the Pulisic hat trick the other year. The, you turned up that year, and I didn't. Well, I don't think he'd scored. Had he scored? Were those his first goals? I'm not uh, sure. Absolutely brilliant that night. Uh, and any any of those players that you've bought for 40, 50 million on the day can have a performance like that. And he were he were unstoppable that night. It were uh, it still sticks in my memory that uh, that performance by Pulisic, and he's not really. Um, done it consistently enough I'm guessing from a Chelsea point of view no uh, I mean he he was brilliant that season and then he got injured in the cup final against Arsenal and he's not really been the same player since but I think at the time at that season he was arguably our best player most talented player and that was a great it was a great hat trick I mean you know I think I think on Saturday it, a lot will depend on what team we pick actually I mean if you saw the game against Luton uh, last night we picked a very understrength team or, you know, not our first team by any stretch of the imagination. And for the first half, they were not at it at all. And Luton, who were a decent championship side, I thought were the better side. But we got it together in the second half. I mean, what was interesting about that was that Lukaku obviously scored a goal, which he's found impossible recently. And even Werner, who we've compared to a terrier chasing a cabbage for most of the season, he managed to score a goal and uh, set up Lukaku. So maybe that will have given them a bit of confidence. But, I mean, Lukaku, apparently, he's contributed in all four of his away games at Turf Moor. Three goals and two assists. So, there we go. That's the kiss of death for him, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, we've we've always had troubles uh, against him. When he was at Everton, he, he ran as ragged on quite a few occasions. Uh, not quite so much when he was at United, but, yeah, he's, he has been a thorn in our side previously. Yeah. Um, I think watching you quite a bit recently, he's pretty, would he be in your first like your first eleven at the moment? You'd no, Havertz. You probably play better when yeah. when Havertz is up there at the at the moment, don't you? But I think the problem um, problem that Tuchel's got at the moment is that um, we don't play to to Lukaku's strengths on the whole, and we are a possession based side, and we play against teams who are going to pack the midfield and the defence. So. Um, we can't hit people on the break, which is going to be great for people like Lukaku, who likes to play on the last, you know, the last defender's shoulder. We look, we look very good when he changes it, and he he basically has Havertz playing as the number nine, and you know Pulisic or Mount or Ziyech and Pulisic, you know, two of those kind of wider players playing with Lukaku. Uh, sorry, with Havertz. 
But the the key to it all is moving the ball quickly. You know, if we have Jorginho in the midfield, the ball goes side to side, side to side, side to side. It doesn't get forward quick enough. And the other week he played Kante and Kovacic together. And they, I think it was against Lille in the Champions League, and they looked a completely different side because they were getting the ball forward really, really quickly. And if they do that, I think a lot of teams find it hard to live with them. Of course, the, the other side of that is that we're more vulnerable at the back because, of course, Kante and Kovacic bomb forward and, and we leave the door open a bit. But if you've got Rudiger, Silva and uh, Chaloba or Christensen in defence, you know, that's a pretty solid back three. And the wing backs, of course, always, uh, you know, help, help. You know, we get we have a five man defence, basically, when we play with wing backs. So that's why we're mm. so hard to break down and score against. But uh, the problem's at the other end. It's basically we create lots of chances, but we just, we've just we been appalling at finishing. Not just this season. This goes back a long time now. But uh, So he's got, he's got issues to sort out there. So uh, if we're profligate again, as we have been for most of the season, you've got more than a good chance, I'd say. Because you're a tough nut to crack. You get a goal ahead. And we, you know, we're going to find it hard to, to get an, a, a goal back, I think. That's the issue for me. Yeah, first goal is massive in, in any game. Um as uh, yeah, especially the way we play. Uh you can see you can see we set up nil nil against the big side. We'll we'll play quite conservatively. Um try and stay in the game for as long as possible and then take our chance when it comes, whether it's a set piece or um or yeah, one of the times we are we have ventured forward. But once and then once it goes one nil, we kind of stick to the same game plan in the main, like at Stamford Bridge. It was one nil, you kept kept battering us first half basically but I don't know how we went in at 1-0 um, but then second half you can see it's just growing into the game a bit and as the longer it stays 1-0 the more threatening we should become Yeah. Um, it's when it goes two. if you get two goals against us that's when we're in big trouble yeah. against a team like Chelsea or City or Liverpool because force us to open up a bit and it could end up any score at that point yeah. Uh, and that game you mentioned earlier when it was 4-2, uh, you were 4-0 up then, weren't you? And we yeah. scored two goals in injury time. Um, it, it, it's funny, if we can keep it tight, we've always got a chance. Uh, and we are really well organised, really well drilled. Everyone knows the jobs. When we're on it, I'd, I think a lot of Burnley, I really enjoy us watching, uh, watching us when we are defending well. I know that's not doesn't sound like the most exciting thing, but when we are defending well again, up against it against one of the big sides, it really gets it gets the crowd up. Um, I think a lot of teams won't understand that really. No, but, do you know what, Adam? Um, I I do. I'm 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 old school. I'm I, you know defending for me is a very important part of the game, and I love it. You know, I mean, we talked before we went on air, didn't we, all, about Munich and. Uh, you know how Chelsea shit house their way to a win. I love all of that, so I get exactly what you mean, and it does. It gets the crowd up. I mean, a, a great beefy tackle will get the crowd up as much as anything else. So I understand that. Yeah, I think we've managed to um, shit house you more at Stamford Bridge than we had at, have at Turf more over the years, though. Well, um, I, dare I say it? I hope we continue doing that um, because <laughs> uh, we need the points. But I mean, having said that, I, I know you need them too, and I. I genuinely, I genuinely hope Burnley stay up. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Sean Dyche. I think he's a great guy, and uh, I mean, you know, there's what if you've played 25 games, still 13 games to go, so there's plenty of games left yet. And as I said, you've got a few in hand on the others. I think Brentford would be uh, a bit worried if I was them at the moment. We play Brentford next, so that next Saturday after this. So obviously, we're not going to look past this Saturday, but it's already whatever happens this week, that's going to be a huge um, game in terms of our season. Yeah. Ultimate six pointer. 
Um, so yeah. Well, I'm going to wish you huge luck with that and, and piss off all of my Brentford uh, friends, but never mind, such is life. Uh, Adam, it's been brilliant talking to you. I really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, thanks so much for coming on. As, as I said, I do wish you luck for the season and I do hope uh, that uh, Burnley stay up, although I do kind of want the points uh, tomorrow. But there you go. No, cheers. Yeah, after uh, after Saturday, I'll be quite happy if you go on and beat all of uh, our relegation rivals for the rest of the season. That'd be great. We'll do our best for you, Adam, I promise. <laughs> all great. right, thanks a lot. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Uh, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. I'm, of course, Stanford Chidge, and I have the absolutely lovely, effervescent, and knowledgeable sage that is Jonathan Kidd. Oh, I thought you were going to say someone else then. <laughs> I thought I'd get, keep you on your toes, mate. <laughs> It's good, good to see you as it always is. Thank you. Uh, Lovely to be on the show. Thank you. We've, all, we've also got the absolutely wonderful Mr. Tony Glover. Evening. There you go. I'm just doing myself a quick. Lovely. I like it. He's, he's filling in his Chelsea pitch owner's share application. Good boy. Uh, right. We're going to have our own little uh, talk about uh, the Chelsea v Burnley. Uh, match. Uh, of course, I, as we all know, we should all know by now, there, in fact, there are people who are yet to be discovered in the Amazon rainforest who know that part three of the Chelsea Fancast preview show is started by Chidge's idiotic team selection. Uh, so here we go. Are you ready? Strap yourselves in. Uh, I've gone I've gone, I've gone. gone strong, JK. That's what I'm saying. I've gone strong. Mendy in goal. Rudiger Silva Christensen at the back. Uh, Alonso. Uh, as, uh, they're going to go 3-4-3 three, three as well, basically. So Alonso is our left wing back. Kovacic, Kante, James. Uh, I believe Ziyech is fit. So Ziyech starts for me. Mount uh, kind of partners him. And Havertz up front. Because, dear brethren, I think that that is our best team at the moment. I rest. That is completely our best team. However, I don't think he'll play Ziyech because he's been injured. Mm. He doesn't throw people in if they've been injured. That's his big yeah. thing. He'll be he benched, I think, and come on. Yeah. Exactly, and it'll be Pulisic. Who, I'm, I'm um, okay with that. Yeah, no, yeah, Pulisic, who's raised his game very much so, and um, uh, Alonso's raised his game. Um, Kovacic has been playing above himself recently. Kante needs to get one of the twins back. Uh, James is being. I thought, I thought he did against in. Liverpool. To be fair, J.K. Yeah, yeah, he did. Kante. He was well. Yeah, he was made. I agree. Yeah, they were there. Yeah, Silva is um, uh, magnificent. Oh, Imperado. Um, yeah, completely. Why do you put Christensen has been... in there? He seems to be a bit, a bit of a, uh, a, a ghost figure at the moment. Doesn't he, he had an Achilles problem. Right. So you don't think Chalabar will get his? I think Chalabar will play instead. Actually, Chidge. Yeah. Of whom? Instead of Christensen, I think he'll bring Christensen on. Mm. What's his fitness like? His, have his ghoulies been sewn up? Well, yeah. yes, it was. It was described as a. Uh, uh, as, <laughs> it was described in one of the papers as a penis injury. A penis injury. Uh, yes, it was actually his old tallywacker that. Uh, a bit, a bit uh, like something about Mary. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he got so his wiener caught in the zip, didn't he? You can know you did. You, you did. <laughs> That's flawed, Tony. Fuck off, He did, but he can. It, it strikes you, doesn't it, that that, yeah. that a player can be deliberately kicked in the cock by an opponent and VAR miss it completely. It's just one of life's of uh, consistencies, I have to say. I was very intrigued by um, uh, Taylor's 
attempt at some kind of um, vindication for his idiocy with uh, being interviewed by um, Jake, what's his name, Humphreys, is it? Yeah. Yes. On his yes, podcast. And, um, yes. and he actually goes on about how, you know, he doesn't like having to overturn anything via VAR. And he feels that he's not doing his job properly, if that's the case. Well, all I can say about that is Fuck he must... Off. No, but he wouldn't... Well, hey, absolutely, Chidge. <laughs> but also, he must be really thick. I mean... Good. If you've got you know a television camera informing you got you got the decision wrong, don't get the hump. Embrace it. Go. Yeah. Okay. This is good. I wasn't in the quite in the right because he goes on in this interview about it's difficult to see some decisions. People don't understand that because there are players in the way. Well, that's what fucking VAR <coughs> there for you, git. For God's sake. Anyway, this dreadful interview with him to who. And, and Jake Thing went on about how brilliantly he dealt with Christian Eriksen. Well, quite frankly, any one of us could have dealt well with Christian Eriksen because the guy was possibly dying. We don't all go, oh, what do I do? We go, I know. He, he could have sent him off, off, you know, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, well, he could have given, given him a red card. <laughs> Time wasting, mate. You're off, son. Yes, fuck, get up. Off, get somebody. him up. Well, so, dying on the pitch is against the spirit of the game. <laughs> Fuck's sake, yeah. you're off. Yeah. He could have done, but oh God, this interview, I could, oh God save us. It was all that was wrong. Then it revealed he, he was in the prison service. And I thought, well, oh, well yeah, what okay. a surprise. Oh, what on earth? But anyway, but enough of that. Enough um, of that. But you're, you're that. so but, right. No. You're so right. I'm glad you, I did see somebody on Twitter directed you to that. And I was praying that you'd seen it actually. So I think, you know, I, I, mean, I, I think I, that the, the tackle on Chalabar. In the, oh. I didn't get to review the final because I wasn't on Monday night, but I thought that was the only thing that the ref, uh, why, why the ref missed it, because I thought Atwell had a good game, I really do. I think he let so much stuff go, made it into a proper game of football. Um, you can question your sight, but uh, that was VAR that, that gave Lukaku's pinky uh, a fucking offside or whatever, a piece of the body you can't score from. Um, he missed that tackle, but th- that's where my impression was. That was when VAR should say to him, "Oh, we've we've just had a look at that." Of course, of course, Tony. And they didn't. So Atwell can't act without being told. It's the old thing. No, no, no but my, my point. Where my, I'm if the ref doesn't see it, he not, can't decide on it. Yeah, I'm not getting it Atwell. No, no, no. I'm no. I know you're not. No, entirely but... getting at the system. Yeah, that's what the blood there for. That's what all six. Yeah. Six refs in their stupid wasn't it, outfit. Was it Taylor who refereed the two-two at Stamford Bridge when Mane took? Dave out within 10 yeah, seconds. Yeah, of, of course it was. And that one was obvious, plain yeah. obvious. Yeah, you know, should have right. been. A, a, Enough. A ready, but, Let's yeah. not uh, re-legislate uh, past events because he won't get us anywhere. Um, Tony, are you are you mildly happy with my team selection? I mean, yeah, I'm, like I'm, I'm said, with JK. I, I, on, agree. Yeah. I, I agree. This is getting out of hand. I'm agreeing with JK and I think Chalaba yeah. and Pulisic will be. No, we disagreed over Werner, which I thought was good, Tony. I like that. Yeah, it's more like old times. Yeah, it was, but right. I can't, you know, I, I can't, I, 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 I can't have a dig at a tryer, and he is a tryer. He's not like some of the players we've had in the past. I thought, I thought, J.K.'s. I mean, J.K. and I think have been competing with the epithets which we throw at uh, Tim O'Werner or Tim Offside Werner, as I've renamed him. <laughs> I mean, I, I called him a, a terrier chasing a balloon and, and JK's upped it to a terrier chasing a cabbage. Yes. I like that, JK, a yeah. lot. Um, right, Burnley. Um, they've kind of hit some form, chaps. I mean, mm. you know you know, I've got a bit of a soft spot for Burnley, for my sins. Um, and, of course, they've been dreadful, apart from, of course, when they 
drew 1-1 with us at Stamford Bridge when we mm. threw the game away, really. But recently, yes. they've been all right. I mean, they, they, only, they only lost 1-0 at home uh, to, to a full-strength Liverpool side uh, on, the, on the 13th of Feb, so a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they've since gone away to Brighton and won 3-0. Uh, they beat Tottenham 1-0 at home, but then who wouldn't? Uh, and then they drew with Palace, and Palace have been relatively okay. They kind of slipped up uh, this week against Leicester when they, they, I say surprisingly, lost 2-0. I say that because I had them down for a one-all draw in the Prem Predictions League. So thanks, Burnley, for screwing me again. Or was that, sh- should I be saying that to Leicester? Um, I mean, the thing is, chaps, I mean, I always I always kind of, uh, you know, feel a bit a bit worried about playing Burnley away. Yes. But actually, the, the, I shouldn't do. I mean, we I think we've lost once in 15 times to Burnley in the Premier League. And the last two times we've been there, we dubbed them 3-0 last season and 4-2 the season before when Pulisic got that yeah. brilliant hat-trick, JK. So I shouldn't really be worried, should I? I think they've come into form at, at a very good time and I think they're going to be very tricky to beat. But we have a great reputation for, for overturning the form book at Burnley. So... Uh, uh, I think it's more likely to be it, it'll be closer. I think than the three and four nil, but um, I, f- I still think we'll win. Um, uh, <coughs> but no, it, it's not going to be easy. It won't be easy. I just think we're 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 becoming back to our imperious best, actually. Um, and uh, I think if he plays that eleven, I think we're going to be too good for them. I really have got great hopes hopes for this this side for the rest of the season. I think he's very aware, Tuchel, that. That they are beginning to play as well as they did in the uh, Champions League this time last year, and I think he, he he's really pleased that they've got the timing right, and I'm really pleased as well, and all Chelsea fans should be, and I think we'll um we'll do them tomorrow despite them being on a roll. Yeah, I mean Tony, they they, they can they they're an awkward side, Burnley. I I really rate Sean Dyche as a manager actually, I do. and I think I think they're really organised. They they're very physical, but they're not. Then I was talking to Adam, as you heard a minute ago, and you know they're not just a you know Wimbledon type hoof the ball up to a great big airy striker. They they actually play football, and and Corne is a good player. I I really rate him, and Veghorst is a decent player too. They bought some very interesting players because you know they got they got bought out recently, so they've had a bit of money, and they've bought quite wisely, I think. And they can hurt you, you know. I mean, Vidra, that goal they scored against us at Stamford Bridge was a bloody good goal. So they can hurt us. You've got to be at it. I, I, I mean, I, I remember the one-one at that Stamford Bridge. I also remember that was it the first game in season two under Conte when they beat us three-two. We mm. nine players, I think. Um, they've always got that up their sleeve. I don't. They're always going to be limited by, you know, resources and funds or whatever. But Sean Dyche is one of these, like Eddie Howe, he's one of these kind of unsung managers that do very good jobs on very limited resources and should get more credit. Than, than they're due. There's, I think there's a bit of an unfair thing that Dyche's team, or Dyche is another Sam Allardyce, he's far, far from that um, in terms of his, his style of play. But his teams aren't scared to be physical. And, I, I, you know, we all go to football for goals, but there's something rather pleasant about old-fashioned crunching tackles and uh, shoulder barges and stuff like that that we remember from, you know, back in days of your age, JK. Um, you know, um uh, I think that's the sort of stuff I I, I quite enjoy. So I, I'm not quite as optimistic about this. I think that 2-0 versus Leicester would have stung them. Um, Storm Dice is also quite clever at, at the battles, picking his battles, a bit like, uh, again, like Allardyce was and, and Harry Redknapp, you know, where they're 
there were times when they knew they were going to go in against teams and it was like, well, don't worry about this one because we've got this lot next week and we can easily do them. So let's not half kill ourselves against the Chelsea side that if we turn up like we did at Wembley, then we will win. There's no question about that. Because again, I didn't have the, it wasn't on the review on Monday, but that was one of the most inspiring performances I've seen us since, certainly since you know Spurs at home and, and Juve in terms of complete attitude across the park when, you know, pound for pound, we match Liverpool, even when they had their their kind of uh, ascendancy in the, in the second part of the first half. We, we were dogged and determined and tackling. And I think on that kind of form, we can live with anybody in the Premier League, even a team that's battling relegation, um, that will be at home um, and will no doubt um, be very, very physical in the way they approach it. So, yeah, I, 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 if we win, I think it'll be a narrow win. I, I think it'll be like a 1-0 or a 2-1. Yeah, I, I, I'm inclined to agree with that. I mean, I think I think what's absolutely pivotal, and actually, to be honest, you could say this about any match, and I, and I realise I'm saying something a bit stupid here, but I think the lessons from uh, the Stamford Bridge match need to be learned because... We, I think we went one nil up fairly early, didn't we? And then we yeah. battered them. And, then, and yes. as, as we, as always, we failed to put the fucking ball into the Absolutely. net. Absolutely. Yeah. And 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 therein lies lay the problem because it, yeah. it meant we were always open to them scoring an equaliser. And the more we pushed forward, the more likely that was to happen. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. And they were happy with a point, so they weren't really yes. going to come at us for another one. Although actually, I do remember they did give it a go. To be fair, so they I, did have I, I think right at the end, didn't they? They, they did. They yeah. Have, they could have nicked close. it. Yeah. I mean, look, I think the, the really important thing is obviously to score and score early, but not just score one. We need to go and score two, and I would say yes. preferably three, because actually Burnley, you know, if you if you score one against them, they, they always think they're in the game. You score yeah. two, they think, fuck, we're, we're in trouble here. You score three, it's go down the pub time, you know. Yeah. So yeah. I, I do think it's really important, JK, that, that, that we, we don't faff about and don't miss endless amounts of chances because it'll just keep them in the game. Well, one hopes, one hopes that Havertz has got his shooting boots on and one hopes that Mason Mount uh, isn't as profligate as we've seen him be recently um, because his misses against uh, the Scousers were, were dreadful. Um, but, he, you know, other than that, he had an excellent game. He's everywhere. He's, he's, his energy is electric and he's a great plus to the side. Mm. But this is why I was bemused by Saul during the week who... Um, you know, it looked as if he's got real shooting boots. If he can just avoid these errors, he just. So perhaps we'll be wrong. Perhaps Saul will make an appearance, Chidge, if we need to try and score because he's uh, he's very very accurate. Is he supposed to be leaving? It's, yeah, um, it's definite. It's definite. Is Who's it? Who's that, Saul? Yeah. Oh right, okay, okay. Right. Why? Why, are we, why are you worried? You got Conor Gallagher coming back next season. No, I I well, I agree, but you know, uh, I'm uh, well. Who knows what's going to be happening next right. season? Well, that's true, but it may be. I mean, you know, I mean, let's. I'm, I know I'm going to. We're going to revisit this in a minute, but uh, you know, depending on what happens, I mean, we just don't know, do we? But we could end up in that in a, in a kind of another kind of Lampard, you know, version two kind of yeah. scenario where we can't afford to buy anybody. But look at the look at who we could bring back: Billy Gilmore, uh, yeah. Conor Gallagher. Yeah, uh, Ar- you know Armando Brogia. I mean, you yeah. know, oh dear, how sad. I mean, I'd you know, I'd be more than happy with that. Um, mm. I, I like your point though. I think it's good. I mean, I've got some great stats for you. You know that I love a few stats because uh, I nick them from this preview thing that I I nick basically. But uh, 
Thomas Tuchel, right? Uh, his record in Saturday, uh, God's chosen time for football kickoffs, as in three o'clock, he's won five and drawn one. Huh. There you go. That's, I like, that's the kind of stat I like. Uh, mm-hmm. That uh, I, I think that's Burnley have Burnley have conceded on average two point seven one goals per game across their seven Premier League home meetings with Chelsea, in which they've drawn one and lost six. And the best one, this is going to make you laugh, because none of us have mentioned him at all on a, on a show that's been an hour and a half long. Uh, Romelu Lukaku has contributed in all four of his Premier League away games at Turf Moor. Three goals, two assists. <coughs> and he won't be, won't be coming on till the second half, if at all. Yeah. I mean, we didn't really talk about him, and, and maybe we should have done, really, because... I have to say, you know, against Luton, that was a, 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 a Lukaku-esque, dare I say, a striker's goal. Yes. It's cause he play, part of it's because he played two up front with him, with Werner, which gave him the opportunity to do that. And, uh, and, and Werner did provide an excellent cross. Yeah, I, I maintained right through until the Malmo game that that was a budding partnership. Mm. That, that Werner was never going to be an out-and-out striker. Um despite the, his record at Leipzig. And, and that if you could link him, if you could get a Jimmy Ida, uh, a Drogba, an Elka kind of relationship going between them, that's going to scare the shit out of defences, that is. But mm. I don't think that's going to happen again at Turf Moor unless um, Havertz and uh, whoever yeah. it is, yeah, yeah. fail to score. And I think it's then an option to bring him on in the second half. Yeah. But I don't think he'll start with them. Because he's still... Um, I, I know you said that he wasn't provided with anything in the first 25 minutes, but um, nobody was provided with anything in the first 25 minutes at Luton. And he just stood about like a stick of celery. You just thought, well, you know. What but you then, I, you know, I mean, I, I I still maintain that he may not be as hardworking as as other strikers. I mean, the, the, his disallowed goal against Liverpool was fantastic. No, I agree. Fantastic goal. I agree. I and mean, it would have changed all our perceptions, everybody's absolutely, perception of it. Absolutely. And it was wrong. And, and that, was I absolutely hate that. Wrong with that. So I think, you know, I, I, I remain unconvinced that there isn't still something going on in the dressing room, simply because I made a point of watching Lukaku against uh, against um, uh, Luton. Luton. Yes, thank you. I think it began with L. Um, <laughs> uh, Luton, Liverpool, Liverton. Uh, yeah, Luton. Um, I, 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 I made that point. Um, but if his confidence is returning and if his the faith in him is returning to other players, then, then albeit that's a good thing. Um, you know, I, I think tomorrow that, that would be my worry about Havertz up front because if, if he gets he, he he doesn't seem overly physical. Well, I, you know what? I, I, I'm going to disagree. He had a nice little set to with that Liverpool. Yeah, I'm, go, I'm going to disagree. I'm, I'm not well. I don't think I don't think Lukaku's as physical as we'd like to believe. For number one, yeah. and, and Havertz is can look after himself. He's a he's a tall lad. But actually, I I I think it. I think if 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 Tuchel thinks oh oh you know Burnley big big hairy physical centre backs we've got to play Lukaku. I think he's wrong because I think actually what we'll need is somebody who can move around and pull these defenders out of position like Havertz can because they're Some going to be yeah they're going to be very very organized and tough to break down and I would much rather have Havertz floating around in places where they get pulled out of position than Lukaku who's going to stand there on the edge of the penalty area yeah. arm in arm with two central defenders yeah, for the entire I, I, match I, yeah I just think I, I... I still have faith in Lukaku. I think he, he's shown enough in the last two games, at least. He's been better, Tony. There's no yeah, doubt about that. Yeah. And I, I'd agree with that. So you, you're going for a 1 or 2 nil, right? Yeah, a 1, one nil or a 2-1. I think it's, it's going to be a close game. I don't think it's going to be more than that in it. All right, JK? 3-2. Three, 3-2? Two. Three, two. 
to Chelsea. Yeah, I've, changed, I've changed my mind okay. as we've gone on. All right, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Mm, I'm going to go two nil. Okay, so we're all Interesting, going for a interestingly cagey from all three of us. Yeah, there, indeed. I said two nil on my uh, my um, predictions. Have you? I haven't done mine yet. It, no, yeah, yeah, you can, yeah, get it. You'll be able to do it soon. But I'm going actually, so it'll be an intriguing experience. Yeah, yeah. wrap up warm, mate. It'll be bloody oh, freezing. Hey, hey, hey. guaranteed. Get now it. it's important. Flask, Take yeah, a flask. definitely, and a hot water bowl, and and the hand yeah. hand and feet warmers. <coughs> definitely, yeah. um, it's important that we win. It always is, obviously. But at the moment we're third uh, on fifty points. Uh, Man United uh, are fourth on forty-seven, but they've played two games more than us. Liverpool, who are 10 points above us, have played one game more than us. So, you know, we've got, you know, one stroke, two games in hand on a lot of these teams. So we need to be bagging these. Arsenal, uh, who have played 24 games and uh, have only, so they've played one less than us. They're on 45. So, you know, we, we need to keep this clear blue water between us and the chasing pack and not give them a sniff. So no slip ups, please, Chelsea. Thank you. Right, now, yeah. I did promise you all earlier on that we would revisit a little bit more about the whole Roman Abramovich uh, story that's been uh, affecting us all this week, really. And the one thing I want to talk about is the legacy. And I think Tony made an excellent point earlier on, uh, or Jonathan, I forgive me, I can't remember which one of you it was, but that actually what Roman has created, I think it was Tony, wasn't it? What, what Roman has created over the last 19 years in terms of infrastructure, the global brand, although I hate to say that, and everything yeah, else, yeah. means that actually whoever takes us on, it should really be a building exercise rather than something that will regress. Mm. So that's a really good starting point, I think, for the legacy. But there are many, many other things I think that we can be very pleased and thankful for what Roman's done. What's the what has Roman ever done for us? Well, <laughs> well, Tony. Well, I am. Um... I, I urge anybody to read uh, Martin Samuel's article in, in the Mail online today, um, which I think I might have even retweeted or whatever, because he says exactly that. He says what's being put in place is absolutely phenomenal and should be built upon. And that, but he's basically saying no one's going to come in and want to dismantle what is a huge success story. Um, I, I think for me, the, the single biggest change. Uh, and of course, you know, he was an unknown quantity back in, in 2003, four, whenever it was he took over. But was that his first thing was to jettison a very popular manager um, in Claudio Ranieri, who I hadn't rated and wasn't massively fond of. Um, but, you know, wasn't I didn't dislike him. I just didn't think he was up to the job. Um, and go and get the enfant terrible of uh, European football. And together changed the culture of the club from top to bottom, from tea lady to chair uh, person um, into a winning mentality. That That's some big change that, that club needed because it may well have been there in spits and spurts before, but never with the kind of ruthlessness and belief emanating through the club that then the fans picked up on. Um, that was a, a cultural sea change in... Chelsea's own self-image, self-belief, and the fans' uh, belief in the club as well. For me, uh, I think that was. Yeah, I, I tweeted on my thread yesterday and said, you know, the, you've got all these people jumping on a bandwagon now. A fucking sees Chelsea, do this to Chelsea, shut them down, you know, throw him out, and all this sort of stuff. Um, these fans need to be very careful because 
you know, Chelsea is very much part of the community in that area of London. The fans like me and JK and Chidge and, and countless others have supported this club for 50 odd years or whatever. We've poured our money into it. We've poured our souls into it, our hearts into it. We've cried with the team. We've celebrated with the team. We've taken the good with the bad, win or lose, up the blues, all that sort of stuff, okay? And the relationships that we've made and the friendships that we've forged through that time, um, and I'll take the three of us here, they're friendships for life. That's come through through football, through meeting up on match dates, through bumping into people, the joy of standing in a pub and seeing somebody that you haven't seen for a year. Yeah, because they haven't been to a game or your paths haven't crossed is just untouchable. And other fans need to be careful because it could be them next. You know, there's no good City fans laughing at us or United fans laughing at us or, or, or Newcastle fans laughing at us or whatever because, you know, they're, you, you don't get to be a billionaire owner of a football club. You don't get to be a billionaire unless there's some dirt on your hand somewhere. That's an absolute it's fact. It's a terrible hypocrisy, Tony, isn't there? For it, it, it is. It is. And, and I, I understand... Waging yeah. war indiscriminately in other parts of the world. Yes. But nothing is being said about them. Yes, exactly that. And I, I, and I think that's why I said in my tweet, you need to be very careful because it could be you next. Um, and I, I just get the sense that you know, there is this genuine Chelsea family. I have no doubt that every club set of fans think there's a Liverpool family, there's an Everton family. I, I, I've no doubt that that is a, a thing peculiar, possibly to football. You know, I, I, I know I'm rambling a bit here, but I watched Scotland versus France last week in the rugby. Yeah. OK. And Scotland were getting absolutely fucking hammered by France. And then they scored a try, I think, in the last minute to kind of make it. And they celebrated like mad. And I kind of thought, well, that's quite sweet. And then I thought, would you imagine your team is 5-0 down at home, right? And, and you score a goal in the 90th minute. Well, most of us will have fucked off home by that point, right? Um, and we're certainly not going to cheer and scream like it's like the best thing ever. We might sarcastically go, oh, well, well, thank you for that. Like, you know, and I think this peculiar football, the whole tribal nature of it but the fact that i've got mates who are spurs fans who i'll go and have a beer with after a game and and that sort of stuff and, and i i got quite emotional in the thread saying you know football is a community um and people need to be really careful about why they're just picking on chelsea and saying that you know just chelsea fans are this and chelsea fans are that. we're not we're just the same as everybody else we have got a core of rotten people at the club probably fans that are racist or whatever show me a club that hasn't you know, and I think that we're no more special than anybody else. But to us, we are special and our club is special to every single man jack of us. When we go there, when we meet at the stall, um, when when Julie turns up at the stall, we haven't seen her for, for months and she you know, just puts her arms out around her or whatever. That, that's that's incredibly special. And I think, you know, that's all been forged for me in Roman's time. Um, and maybe the success has played a, a huge part of it. I, I think my other point on it was... There isn't a single Chelsea fan that is saying to the new owner, you must guarantee success. We've seen it all. We've won it all. We want success. We want to be competitive, right? But had the Roman thing gone very, very wrong or he hadn't bought us and we'd have ended up in League Two or the National League now, we'd still all probably be friends. And going. And going. Yeah, I mean, that's a really... Tony, I'm gonna I'm gonna rename you. Okay, you are the, you are now the Martin Samuels of the Chelsea fan cast because you do look and look and sound a bit like him. But I think you're you know good old socialist at heart like he is. Yes, indeed. We, yes, we call indeed. him oh wise one. Oh wise one. Well, it's a good point, J.K. Isn't it? I mean, you know, we've all we've all, we all fell in love with the club 
a time you know well you you way before that i mean actually do you know what no you started supporting chelsea when they were in the second division if i remember correctly i did uh tony and i obviously came along a bit later my first experience of them really was when they were in the second division tony a bit earlier they tony's a tony's a glory hunter because he, he supported us because we won the fa cup in 70 that we do know I'm a glory hunter too because my dad took me went in when we'd won the league in 1955. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So, but the but the bottom line is is that there is something. I said this actually in the article I've done for for Football London that will be hopefully be coming out this weekend on the whole Roman situation and everything. But you know, there's no there's no there is no taking away from the fact that what Roman Abramovich has delivered to us all is the most superb glory that any of us could have ever dreamt of and more 21 trophies in 19 years I mean I didn't think I'd ever see Chelsea win the league he's delivered it five times the Champions League you seriously were having a laugh twice but it's not actually the trophies in and of themselves that we care about it's it's the experience of winning them that really makes it special I mean I you know the, the night we beat Bolton away to win the league for the first time is one of the greatest nights I've had in my life. The night we won the Champions League and I was there in Munich to see it was the greatest night of my life. No, I could live to 110. Nothing, I'm telling you, nothing will surpass that night. Period. And that's what it means to win trophies. Mm. I don't. I mean, you know, I know I bleat on about wanting to overtake uh, Arsenal and all the rest of it in that little league table of trophy winners. Really, do you know what? I don't give a shit. But what I love is those experiences with the people that I love in the club that I love being there to witness it and win it because you cannot beat the joy that that brings. And that's what Roman Abramovich has ostensibly done mm. for us. He has brought us unparalleled joy for 19 years. And I think that, I mean, I could die tomorrow. I hope I don't, touch wood. I'll die happy mm. because of what I've seen in the last 19 years as a Chelsea supporter. Yeah. You can't, you can't, you know, you can't beat that, can you, JK? It's the winning that I love. It's the fact that they've... Uh... Makes so you happy. Successful. And also have played such brilliant football at times with such wonderful icons as players. The fact that we've had we've had players play at the bridge who you just taken your breath away has been. Mm. I mean, to be fair, Bates started it off. They were players. Hullet was such a wonderful Hullet. player when he became. Mm. So there's there has been a connection. And if Bates hadn't been been uh, um, experimenting almost with this kind of thing by having some money by borrowing this bond by borrowing the money via the bond we wouldn't then have been in a position to be a particularly attractive enough being champions league as well that he got us into for abramovich for roman to take us on but mm. um it has been a completely phenomenal 20 years of of uh and i mean not not to say it's been huge success or it's been huge success but it's not all the time it hasn't been just we've steamrolled everybody it still allowed us to be in a position to suffer those immense disappointments and in fact probably even more disappointments than we would have had if we were playing in the sec second uh, or the, the second division or the the lower part of the league because um the the, the higher you get the more the more jeopardy there is the more painful it is as it goes on so uh um, uh, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't have missed any of it. It's been. It's been. It's been a wonderful journey. I mean, just, just a superb experience being able to follow the team and knowing that your team is, is, is playing these in these great matches with some completely superb players. I mean, it's the the joy of being able to watch Hazard, the joy of somebody yeah. being able to see that he had the potential of 
of becoming a, 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 a completely superb player. The, the joy of watching, even now of watching um, of Thiago Silva, who's one of the best players I've ever seen, but also the, the brilliance of having the 2005 side. I know then he was splashing the money about, but there were some players in that team that are, totally. just took, took your breath away. I mean, Duff and Robin, what a combination. Mm. Um, but no, I, I, you know, you could just nip through the, 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 the great players that we've had over the years, which w w we wouldn't have been able to afford without Roman. And in fact, that, um, the whole Roman experience is something that I never thought would obviously come to an end like this. We were just thinking, where can we go now with Tuchel? So you really do hope that they are running an absolutely fine tooth comb over the uh, potential buyer. Uh, you hope that they have the, the time and the ability to do that. And it's and, not and, like and, a, a fire and, sale. You really do yeah. hope that. And let us not forget that, that, you know, his takeover of the club broke the Manchester Arsenal duopoly. Oh, absolutely. You know, Which, of course, without created... that, you, you would have probably had a good few more years, you know, taking the, the, the Blackburn kind of anomaly out of it. But, you know, in the Premiership, it was United or Arsenal. It was that. It would have probably carried on being that because no other team really would have, I don't think, would have got close to either of those. So we came in and, and I always, I did this on the old... Uh, early editions of the podding shed but also in when they used to write for the Chelsea blog you had at that time a Roman taken over you had almost the, the perfect good bad and ugly right in that you had the good with Jose Mourinho the young buck the Clint Eastwood type character yeah you had the bad which you would say was probably Ferguson uh, or the, the ugly was Ferguson with his big old red face and nose, etc. But, you know, a fantastic manager or whatever. And then you had the Lee Van Cleef-like Arsene Wenger, very lean. You could imagine them all dressed in their various bits or whatever. Um, <laughs> and and I, I always remembered that, and I always thought it was quite a poetic description because our enfant terrible duo of Roman Abramovich and Jose Mourinho um, completely upset. It was a, it was a what we called before I, before I retired. It was called a disruptor model. You know, it came in, it disrupted the old order. People, Tim Rolls wrote this beautifully in 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 his Guardian article. You know, the old order was broken up. We came in, we did things differently. You know, we took teams like Barcelona on at their own game and bettered them. Yeah, we we had players that no. Let's be fair, none of us have heard. Of, probably had heard of Ricky Carvalho and, uh, and players like that before they turned up and they did the world class. They were absolutely world beaters. Um, and it, it all came from, like you said, splashing the cash. We would play, you know, I, I will never forget Hernan Crespo. He didn't have that long with us, but the man had a fucking Romulan cloaking device on him. He could appear from nowhere and score a bloody goal because he did it in front of me at Portsmouth when I was sitting in the in the old open stand there at Portsmouth, out of nowhere, just appeared and scored this wonderful goal. And then, like you said, when Chidge said about memories and all that, that's the sort of stuff yeah. that lives with you. Yeah, you can't you can't take them away, and that's the beautiful oh. thing about it. I mean, I think I think talking about you know the the le the exper experiential legacy, it's exactly that. And that, you know, we were talking about trophies and stuff and players, but I think the most important thing and the thing that we'll take away is and is being there and being part of it. I think that's yes. what means the most i think there's one other area that we that we should also focus on actually as, as a real legacy what what roman's legacy will end up being and i have to say for me it's the academy which was an absolutely entire roman abramovich strategy and idea 
which he he put into you know he 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 developed it he he made it happen he put his money into doing it and it's arguably one of the best academies in the world and look at the kind of players that are coming out of that and actually you know further down the line if it does go tits up in any way you know we may well be very thankful for that even if it doesn't go tits up we may well yeah. be very thankful for that because the kind of <coughs> players that we're going to have playing in this team for the next few years and let's hope that that continues because it takes the thing about academies it you know a lot of clubs don't give a shit and they don't worry about it it takes a lot of work and a lot of investment and that's the kind of thing that i would be questioning the owners on about well okay you're going to come in and buy the club what what are you going to do with the academy how much money are you going to be putting into that how are you going to sustain that because that is our future i totally agree and and i'm one of those people that was critical of the academy for quite some time as being a revenue stream because we were you know we were production lining players to go to other teams um and sort of you know in in terms of the bulk of players that we were letting go and money we were getting back it just didn't seem to be either roman abramovich um broke my heart when he sacked frank lampard but that frank lampard who had no choice in the matter obviously bought in Reese James, Mason Mount, he brought in some of the best academy players we've seen, in, we'd ever seen, given a start, right? Um, I always remember um, uh, Sarri gave Loftus-Cheek a start, but he played for, oh, and Callum Hudson-Odoi a start as well. But they played for England before they got a full start with Chelsea. And so I see that stuff coming through now. And and uh, he was the young lad who really should have a better hairline who came on the other day against Luton. Um, oh, dear. Hey, Bale. That's him. Yes, yes, he's he's a young Aryan Robin. He's very like. quick. He's a very yes, quick runner. Exactly. And I think he's he actually put, he put a doy to shame slightly with the speed that he got down yeah. the touchline. Yeah, the I, I think it's good to see those young players coming through because I think the early years of, of, of Roman's reign were about that success and managers. There's no doubt that Carlo Ancelotti and Jose and uh, uh, and others were probably getting directives you know um on on who should be playing and and you know the the, the requirement for success and therefore not keep being given the full chance to blood many of the youngsters that he would have wanted and i think that's changed that i think has probably come from uh wisdom of age from roman himself realizing actually do you know what some of these young lads are bloody brilliant and you know if you you, sh- if, you know if you've got a mind then you should be able to change it and I think that's been gradual and he's seen the benefits of the academy firsthand in his team and, and, and actively encouraged Tuchel and Frank, well, Frank had no choice, but, you know, to, to carry on with that. And but getting a coach in like to, yeah, yeah, yeah. But originally uh, it was just a question of buying the club and making them successful. Yes, so of course it was. Yeah, 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 no doubt. Players. I'm afraid the academy players just got left behind in that instance yeah. and they were kind of cursorily put into the first team as always been the case and they'd play once and not, you know, yeah, exactly. not being given an opportunity and then be sold off to Swindon or something. And that appeared yeah. to be the route. Whereas, uh, obviously, Abramovich then himself thought, well, if we can make the youth into something that is well taught and and um, we get proper coaches in, um, not only do we save money, but we can also turn these players and we can create academy of mm. our own. And he became yeah. very aware of that. And it was... But I wonder whether it was just a coincidence for that period that suddenly we had four brilliant players, or that in in Mount and uh, um, uh, and Reese James and um, um, who was the who were the others who came in at the time? Um, Tamori. 
Yeah, Abraham. the Fomori. And yeah, uh, whether that was, um, or whether that was because of needs must, because of the transfer ban, or whether just suddenly they were the, the those who had won the uh, the European Cup had actually just suddenly come to the fore. And in the past, the club that was the right time entirely for them all, and it just beautifully coincided. And I think now they've got to a stage where you they're not quite as good. But you look at the, some of the players. I went to the youth game the other day the guy called Webster played excellently and you thought he could play in the first team that boy Hall had a very decent game in the cup game didn't he and you think yes the transition is working well these guys will work but um, I think they have to play with better players around them I fear madly if we suddenly got into a situation where Tuchel was forced to play four or five because there were contract problems that the whole thing might fall apart it's almost if they need to be bolstered by experience has always been the case. Oh, well, yeah, you've got to and have yet, balance. You've got to have the balance in it. And yet, um, already you can see the shoots already. Yeah. They're, they're, they're building up into, into large leaves, you know. I mean, as you said, Vale, very, very interesting player indeed. Yeah. I think there's a, there's, a, there's a future for him with the club. And we've, of course, got these, as you said, Chidge, these, these three loanees yeah, to come back. Exactly. So there we go. So that's a good note to end it on, I think. And but maybe the most appropriate note to end it on would be to say, Roman Abramovich, thank you so much for everything that mm. you've done for us and the club because I don't think that we will see his like again at this club or any other, to be honest. So thank you. And, of course, thank you lot for listening to this little show as you often do on a Friday evening uh, JK and I will be back on Monday uh, for the main Chelsea Fancast show with Dan Silver and Dane Whittle at 7pm and uh, we'll be looking back at the match against Burnley uh, do you know what JK I'm going to swerve previewing Norwich because it's on a Thursday night and I think it's too early to be doing that so we'll just do Burnley on Monday how about that maybe we have a bit more talk about what else has happened in this saga about Chelsea what do you reckon yeah can we talk about Mount and um, Alonso's hair yeah, we'll do that for at least an hour and then we'll a little bit on the Burnley yeah. match, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. My daughter runs the local community centre literally down the road here, which is a very fantastic it's where I play my walking football twice a week now. Wow. Um, yes, and I'm turning out to be quite a robust little Ricky Carvalho figure myself. Mm. If I well, say very, to... very robust, I would say. Well, yeah, I'm going to give you, uh, I'm going to be your advocate on that and know that you didn't mean that horribly. Um, <laughs> but, uh, more uh, fool uh, you, Tony. <laughs> who was in there yesterday but Mason Mount's sister? Oh, she any good at football? I said, I said you need, because they, because they all live in Avon, don't they? Um, they all live locally, a lot of the Mount family, um, all local people. Local, so it's a local community centre for right, local. Right, Tony, people. you're tasked to get Tony Mount on this show. I'd love to try and get him on the show. And I did say to her, I said, if Mason Mount does ever come down to see his sister and goes down there, do let me know or try and coincide it with walking football just so that he can see how good he could end up being. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. How robust he could end up being. Yeah, yeah. indeed. If, if, he's, if he's really lucky. Uh, Tony, we've been really lucky having you on the show as we always are. Brilliant, mate. Brilliant, Brilliant to see yeah. you, mate, as always. JK, yeah. Just lovely seeing you on a Friday, as always. Uh, have a safe trip up to Burnley tomorrow, Matt. As I said, wrap up warm. Don't get too cold. I'll try not to, Chidge. <laughs> and bring me back some Eccles cakes. Uh, I'll see, yes, I'll see if I can get some for you, yeah, seriously. Yeah. I love Eccles cakes, but there you go. Uh, right, that is uh, all we've got for tonight. Uh, lovely to do it, as always. Really enjoyed it, as, as ever. It's been brilliant fun. Uh, thanks for listening. See you next week. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. 
It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.